What's up, kids, folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are going to preview the NFL Combine with Fox Sports analyst Rob Rang. Rob has covered the sport for more than 20 years as it denotes the Combine. He's also a scout for the BC Lions in the Canadian Football League and when it comes to opinions about what guys are capable of and where they slot in the NFL come draft season, he's my first go-to. I'm going to point you early and often to his work at FoxSports.com. We get into it for a little while. I'm very excited for you to have that conversation. And then I'm going to tell you about the five guys that I think you should keep your eye on when it comes to the 40-yard dash, the broad jump, guys that I believe are really going to take advantage of this opportunity to perform at the NFL Combine. All right. Let's go talk to Rob. I'm pleased to be joined by Fox Sports NFL Draft Analyst Rob Rang. If you have not read him at Fox Sports, I encourage you to do so. I was first introduced to Rob over two years ago, and I've been following his work ever since. He has covered the draft for more than two decades and works as a scout in the Canadian Football League for the BC Lions. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. All right, I'm excited to talk a little bit of ball with you, sir. Thank you so much for this opportunity. No, man, I'm so excited to have you here because we're getting into the NFL Combine, which is the Underwear Olympics, and I'm one of the few guys in front of a microphone who gets fired up for the Underwear Olympics. I love measurements. I love guys running fast. I love guys putting up 225 for lots of weight. But the reason that we're here is to try to figure out just a little bit more about guys that we already know a bunch about, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to speak with you. We got this quarterback class that, quite frankly, is head over shoulders better than last year's quarterback class, but we still have some things to work out here. So we know that CJ Stroud, Ohio state quarterback is going to throw. We know that Bryce young is not going to throw at the NFL combine. What, if anything, do you think CJ Stroud can do to perhaps differentiate himself from Bryce young? Who's not going to throw until he gets to his probate at Alabama. Well, I think if CJ Stroud does exactly what CJ Stroud has done throughout his career, and that is just wow people with his pure accuracy, then I think that he is going to force a little bit more of the conversation. And you know, just kudos to CJ Stroud for electing to compete in this opportunity. You know, Bryce Young, of course, gets a lot of credit for all the success that he had at Alabama, but at the same time, by choosing not to throw that, that's significant in itself. But getting back to CJ Stroud, I think that he's a perfect start to this conversation because you're talking about the most accurate quarterback in this draft class I personally like Bryce Young as far as who I project to be the most successful in the NFL but at the same time if you protect CJ Stroud we've seen the unbelievable precision type accuracy Aaron Rodgers like accuracy from CJ Stroud that is just the single most difficult thing the quarterbacks are asked to do from the college level to the pro level is the simplest thing in, team, in terms of what you expect out of the position. You have to be accurate. And that's one thing that CJ Stroud has. That's why I'm really excited that he is taking advantage of this opportunity to compete. I think he's going to excel in this kind of combine setting. I'm going to refer back to something you wrote about CJ in your top 10 for this NFL draft. I encourage everyone to go to Fox Sports and check out what Rob has had to say, but I highlighted this sentence in particular regarding C.J. Stroud. He routinely delivers passes to all levels of the field with precision, the precision of a jugs machine, sending rifle shots 20, 30 yards downfield just as the receiver makes his break and lofting pillow soft tosses down the seam over linebackers and under safeties. There it is, right? As you said, uh, the comp being Aaron Rodgers, which I think is kind of interesting because no one teaches anybody to play quarterback the way Aaron Rodgers plays quarterback. And yet sure. the ball goes exactly where it needs to every single time. Are you looking for mechanics? Are you looking for tells about his accuracy in CJ Stroud? And the reason I asked this is I also heard this about Baker Mayfield and I'm a true huge Baker Mayfield fan. So can you talk me into why CJ Stroud might be a little bit better or even worse than say a Baker or how much of a distance there is between him and say Aaron? It's a great question. I, I think that with you're talking about just pure accuracy with all three of these quarterbacks, that's what's justifying the comparison because you're talking about some very different type of players. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, again, just where the ball winds up. 
um, in, in terms of velocity, in terms of, again, the required touch at times, the, the, the level of difficulty in the types of throws that C.J. Stroud made to me is very similar to what you see in a pro-style offense. Obviously, what, what Aaron Rodgers has done speaks for itself. And at the same time, neither of those quarterbacks, with a little bit more of a Baker being an exception, with Aaron Rodgers and with uh, C.J. Stroud, you, you don't see either of those quarterbacks usually take off and run with the football. And of course, there's so many quarterbacks in the NFL and the college level who are now doing that. And so to see a, a quarterback who is accurate enough that he doesn't have to do that, and then when he does choose to do it, the way that Aaron Rodgers can, certainly by, by time in the pocket, um, but is again, not somebody you really have to worry about scrambling so much with CJ Stroud demonstrating that willingness against Georgia. Uh, I think that that's got scouts that much more fired up. So again, one of the reasons why I think the Stroud has a chance to build on the momentum that he created for himself with the spectacular performance in his final college game. One of the drawbacks to uh, a CJ Stroud is also one of the drawbacks to Bryce Young, which is to say you're working with some of the best talent in the sport that is college football. But one of the things that you don't have to say is that he doesn't fit what people think of as a prototypical NFL quarterback in height and weight. Six foot three, about 213 pounds listed. We'll see what he weighs at the combine. But the guy that he's most compared to in this draft is Bryce Young, who is listed at six foot, 194 pounds. And I believe he would be the smallest from a weight standpoint guy to go in the first round at quarterback. Does that concern you at all, Rob? Sure. I mean, because for the exact reason you just said, it's never been done before. And it, it's scary to be that bold. At the same time, it would be scary to be the person who passed up on a quarterback who was as good as Bryce Young has been throughout his entire time at, at Alabama. I mean, as I mentioned before, he is my personal top-rated quarterback in this draft. And if I was the NFL general manager, I had to go talk to the, the team owner and, and put Bryce Young's highlights up there then I would feel more comfortable doing that than I would with any player in this draft. Mm. Uh, I think you can, we're going to have the conversation. I think a little bit later, it's certainly one of the conversations I want to have is about who is exactly the best defensive player in this draft class. Everybody talks about Jalen Carter and, and, and of course, uh, Will Anderson Jr. At the same time, I think going back to Bryce Young, to me, the, just the, and I, I use this expression all the time, I apologize, maybe it's because I had a little bit too much this when I was a kid, but the proof is in the pudding, and with Bryce Young, I mean, the, just the, the accuracy, the poise, uh, the spatial awareness, I, of course, I'm out here in Seattle, and so for a long, long time, saw what Russell Wilson was able to do when he was having some fantastic years in Seattle. One of the things that really made him special, RJ, was just he had a, he had a different level of spatial awareness. He could feel people closing in. There's, it's, that's a really exceptionally rare type of quality for a quarterback, especially when he's smaller. And for Russell Wilson has that, and Bryce Young has that in absolute spades. He's remarkable in that way. And that's why even with the acknowledgement of all that great talent that he's been around, and that's an excellent point. At the same time, I just see him making plays despite all the talent that's also coming against him. I just think that the guy is a winner. I think that he's going to be very successful in the NFL. I would take him number one overall. And I, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to show a lot of interest should the Chicago Bears look to trade down or perhaps if they go in a different direction and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, for that matter, are on the board early on. I think there's going to be some action here in the top five of this draft. That's why I'm just so fired up to be talking about the 2023 NFL draft with you. Man, look, I look at a Bryce Young, and I've been on that train since he came out of Modern Day. I've also been a tremendous C.J. Stroud fan from the moment that he got his offer at Ohio State. I'm really excited for both those guys to have an opportunity here, but I also want to just, Rob, I'm a short guy, all right? I don't weigh a lot, but I put up 315 on bench just the other day, okay? You're not going to call me slight. You're going to call me strong. I just don't think it matters that much, especially when you know that a guy like Stetson Bennett exists, 5'11", 190. Now, there's the world of difference, rounds of difference between those three guys, but if you're talking about winners, then when you're talking about winners and you're talking about Stetson Bennett, I I have a hard time really giving that a lot of thought. Kyler Murray is another guy, 5'10", 207, right? I believe Russ is 5'10", 204, somewhere in there, right? Drew Brees is a little bit heavier, but also about six feet. I just don't think it matters. The guy can throw the football, move around, and you want to talk about escapability? I watched Bryce Young, who deemed himself, himself out of a Georgia defensive stranglehold more than a couple of times. I'm with you. Uh, if he goes number one, nobody's going to say boo. 
The same thing I think is true of C.J. Stroud. But a little bit further down in this quarterback conversation, I thought it was interesting, right, that you got young Stroud, Richardson, uh, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis uh, ranked one through four. I can kind of see Anthony Richardson from a tools point, but I guess that's the same argument for Will Levis. So I'm going to start with Will Levis. Make me understand, man. What is it that I am missing? Because when I see him, I don't see the talent that everybody else swears they see. I could be an idiot. Let me know. <laughs> no, I don't think that you're an idiot. I, I think that uh, at times, frankly, I think Will Levis hides his talents mm. uh, as well as just about any one of the, the top rated prospects in this draft class. And that's why he is such a polarizing player. And that's why, as you mentioned, he's my number four rated quarterback in this draft class. He definitely has had as much buzz as just about anybody out there. But I personally have Anthony Richardson. In my opinion, his higher upside is the basic justification for why I have him over Levis. Well, Going back to Will Levis, certainly some of the things that I love about him is the, just the, the arm talent. I mean, just he has a absolute cannon for an arm. Um, that He has the mobility that you're looking for. He has the ability to throw the ball with touch. Uh, he has the ability to throw the ball with anticipation. He's been playing in, you know, for an offensive coordinator, as you likely know, that has NFL ties for the last couple of years in a row, different uh, offensive coordinators. So I like the fact that he's had to take coaching. It, we had the conversation just a moment ago about Bryce Young at Alabama and all the talent around him, certainly C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, the same type of thing. Will Levis didn't have that type of talent around him. He did have a couple of NFL players on his team in 2021 and had a great deal of success. Lost those players and, you know, almost predictably struggled a little bit as a senior. I would have liked to have seen him play in the bowl game. I would have liked to have seen him play in the senior bowl or some other type of all-star game setting. Just to, And I recognize that he's coming off of the injury. I, I, the, all those things concern me. That's why I think that Will Levis can be fascinating at this combine. He's going to have an opportunity because there's going to be scouts who are going to have the same exact questions on him. They're going to be a little bit more upfront with their concerns about him. And so he's got to justify and have some conversations. And, and so I really think that he really think that he's, he is, Will Levis is, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating players in this combine event. Because if he doesn't wow, to your point, RJ, if he doesn't wow in this type of setting, then I think the justification of all those worries are just going to escalate as the draft mm -hmm. gets closer. Well, it's it's a great point that you raise about the talent, right? Because he had a Wandale Robinson in 2021 that felt yeah. like he was catching everything that was being thrown his way. And he also Offensive had a Chris Rodriguez. Right, yeah. exactly, right? And it, I get it. And coming from Penn State, the argument was that perhaps both, the, uh, both he and Sean Clifford didn't have the kind of consistency at coordinator that you would want to see because to mention it, yes, he had an offensive coordinator that has NFL experience, but also left to go to the NFL, right? And is coming back uh, to... I think, yes, he's coming back to Lexington this year. I'm also really interested in another guy in the SEC that is still rising up draft boards and even mentioned as being a number one overall pick in Anthony Richardson. And the way I want to preface this, Rob, is I spent a lot of time talking about how I thought Anthony Richardson was the closest thing to Cam Newton that Florida had had since Cam Newton. Then they lose to Utah. They don't have the kind of season that they want to have. They get beat by uh, Oregon State in their bowl game. But I still see the tools in the way that I guess people see the tools that Will Levis has. What do you think is the upside like for taking a guy like Anthony Richardson at number one? Well, again, to me, number one is, is a little bit rich. I mean, I, I recognize okay. the talent. I think that he could be that, but... I would have a hard time just, again, I use the example I gave before, but if I was a general manager talking to the owner of the franchise, my job is on the line. I recognize that I'm showing the highlights of the player with Anthony Richardson in one year as a starter. That's going to be a pretty short highlight reel, even though he's an unbelievable talent. I mean, I think he's legitimately a first round player, but again, I, I just would have a hard time at that spot. But once we start getting, you know, it's top five, top 10 conversation, then again, the upside is so immense. And if he gets drafted to a team, like, again, I'm in Seattle. He just goes to the Seahawks, and they presumably bring Geno Smith back, and he, and Anthony Richardson truly has a year to develop and just kind of, you know, get mature a little bit, physically mature a little bit. I mean, you're talking about 21-year-old young man, excuse me, 22-year-old, I believe, year old young man, but still, the point being that this is a young man who grew up originally in Miami, then goes to Gainesville, signs with the Gators, plays his entire high school and college ball in the same very close location. And now he's going to be drafted in the NFL. He's going to expect to be a face of the franchise. 
you know, so there's going to be an awful lot of eyes watching his workout. There's going to be an awful lot of NFL evaluators. The, the men who are making the biggest decisions are going to be listening to those interviews. They're going to want to really get to know who he is as a young man. Can he be somebody that they can trust to be the, the quarterback? I mean, the, the most important person on your franchise, really, um, not only in the, on the playing field, but, obviously, but in, as far as coaches and personnel and all that kind of stuff as well, too. So just a critical decision. I, I see the upside of the Anthony Richardson. I also see all the all the concerns. Um, to me, what you get excited about is the fact that just his physical stature. And we want to talk about Will Levis gets the comparisons to Josh Allen all the time. And, and I agree with you. I like the Cam Newton comparison. But I think that there's some Josh Allen in Anthony Richardson as well. And that, again, just a massive man is willing to run the football with speed and power. Uh, again, can throw the ball to the moon and back if he needs to. And then to me, one of the things that I'm most excited about, one of the reasons I have him a little bit ahead, ahead of uh, a, a quarterback like Will Levis is I didn't see the progression from Will Levis in terms of his stepping up in the pocket, moving from his first to second reads, things of that nature. I have seen flash of that of Anthony Richardson. It surprised me to be honest. The more I watched, but the, the, the more I saw a quarterback who does have some of those same, that same spatial awareness that we mentioned with, about Bryce Young and with Russell Wilson, I see that with Anthony Richardson. You're talking about a player who only has one season as the starter and is even bigger, even faster, even stronger arm. My goodness. I think I just talked myself into drafting Anthony Richardson in the top five. And that's exactly the kind of internal monologue that I think NFL teams are going to be dealing with for the next two months, which is why I think that Anthony Richardson does have a chance to move up that high in this draft. I think you're onto something with uh, a, a franchise that can afford to sit him down and have him just learn for a while. I think the best comp is we don't even need to know what jersey number you're going to wear because you're not going to play. Not, and going through those interviews is going to demonstrate whether or not he has the capacity to sit that year and perhaps learn the position. I don't think there's any definitive proof one way or another that a guy starting right away or a guy sitting for a year is better or worse, but I would certainly feel better about a guy that gets to learn what the NFL is all about from a veteran. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith is the most famous example of this and how that worked out for Kansas City still works out. The Josh Allen comp for both of these guys, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, gives me pause uh, for the same reason that the Jalen Hurts uh, comparison gives me pause. I haven't seen too many guys fix their accuracy in the NFL. And those are two guys that fixed their accuracy in the NFL and became two of the better quarterbacks, better players in this sport. And I don't know that I want to bet on that with first round picks uh, where I could use them for almost anything else. Right. That, which gets me to this next conversation of value and quality, because when I'm looking at the running backs and wide receivers group in particular, I see a lot of value and I see a lot of quality. You've written about this really outstanding bumper crop of running backs, but in particular, a guy that I think everybody believes is the best running back on the board in B. John Robinson is there anybody that's going to be able to unseat him with a great combine performance this weekend? Certainly not on my board. I mean, I can certainly, I, I can understand why when on the A chain from Texas A&M run, you know, just proves that he's the track star that we all know that he is. Um, but it absolutely lights up the turf and there's going to be some excitement there. If Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, my number two rated running back in this class, if he winds up bringing the four fours, at, you know, 220 plus pounds, I think he's going to create some buzz for himself, but, to me, Bijan Robinson is just a special guy. And I don't expect Robinson to put up incredible 40-yard dash time. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's in the four fives. And I wouldn't drop him at all if he runs in the four fives or even slower the tape. Again, the proof is in the pudding. And with Bijan Robinson, I mean, there's an awful lot of pudding out there because he's just been so dominant for so long. Um, he has that great contact balance. To me, it kind of comes down to the quarterback position. Again, it's accuracy, it's anticipation, it's that spatial awareness that we talked about. The, the combine doesn't show those things, really. That, that's the tape. And that's where I think some of these other quarterbacks we talked about before are going to excel. With B. John Robinson, again, I don't know that he necessarily is going to be the greatest in workouts, but the tape just shows that he has the contact balance, the instincts, he may not have the elite breakaway speed. That's actually one of the biggest concerns I think the teams have about him, but probably will keep him out of the top five ultimately. But I do think that he has that type of talent. I, I think we're going to easily, he's going to be a first round pick. That's just comical in my mind that he's not a first round pick. 
there's just too many teams out there that could use a player who's going to be able to come in and immediately improve the talent, the, the scoring ability of your team. I'm all in on B. John Robinson as I was all in on Brees Hall last year for the reasons that you already pointed out, right? The contact balance, his ability to hold on to the football. It was yes. front page news when he fumbled the football against Texas Tech, right? That, that's how big a deal it was because he doesn't put the ball on the carpet. And that's number one for me. Do not put the ball on the floor. Jalen Hurts played an outstanding football game. Put the ball on the floor. That's the difference in the game. We can't have that, right? So that's number one. Number two is the way I point to Bijan and try to cut through the noise is if he was a quarterback, he would be the guy going number one. Is he has that sort of personality, that sort of attitude, that sort of charisma, and that sort of trust from not just the folks he plays with, but the fan base in general. You will not find anybody that has any bad things to say about Bijan Robinson or to that point, Roshan Johnson, who was a quarterback that made the transition to running back to become the ultimate team guy. So that's my transition to ask you, which running back do you think you get the most value for, perhaps in that two through four round? Well, certainly Roshan Johnson is one of them. Uh, you know, there, there's a couple of different guys. Um, you know, Izzy uh, at, at Pitt, um, Abikandi, I, I always butcher Abikandi. his name. Abikandi, yeah. Mm -hmm. Abikandi, yeah, I mean, he, I, I can't butcher, or I, I can't pronounce his name apparently, but I, I really need to because I think he's going to come into the NFL and really be successful. He's a guy who I think is kind of interesting in this combine setting because, you know, he had so many long touchdown runs for the Pitt Panthers this past season. He's absolutely breakout performance for him. Uh, but at the same time, you don't see that four, three, four, four kind of speed. I, I'm curious to see what he runs. Certainly Pitt's offensive line did a great job of blocking for him, but he had so many breakaway runs that if he can kind of, prove uh you know that he has the, the electronic time to match up with all those big plays i think that he is somebody that can kind of boost his guys not necessarily a second round back. i i don't love this this running back class in terms of i don't know that you're necessarily going to see a lot of backs come off the board in the second round i think that third fourth fifth is really kind of the the money spot there I am a big fan of Chase Brown. I, I don't understand how you can be as productive as he was and, and put Illinois in as many games as he did, almost single-handedly, obviously, with his brother as well, uh, on the flip side. I mean, there, there's an awful lot of good football being played by, by Illinois. But my point is Chase Brown is a really good player that I don't think gets nearly enough attention. And, RJ, I, I just respect you too much to not say the guy that I just love. I, I watched him dominate for three years in a row, and the fact that we talked about size, how it can be an issue, but Deuce Vaughn, my goodness, he is just terrific. My man. And so I, I have to mention him as well. I, I mean, I, I understand he's going to drop on it, you know, in the draft. So did Darren Sproles. I think that he is, I think we're, I, I struggle with using that kind of comparison to anybody, especially obviously two Kansas State players. But I just see a shorter back that is so tall in talent that I, I really think that we are going to see he and a lot of the shorter players in this draft class Again, like some of the guys I think are going to be the fastest times are going to be some of the shortest guys. And, and I think that that, to me, is one of the kind of cool things about this 2023 class as a whole. Well, I wouldn't shy away from saying Darren Sproles because I asked him about it and he said that's the blueprint. Like he, he loves it. He wants to pull that in. And to meet Deuce Vaughn is to understand he carries that weight. I also enjoy that, you know, that dude was the only returning first team All-American in the Big 12 last year. And all he did was prove that once again at Kansas State. And there are lots of shorter backs to boost his cause. I mean, Boston Scott, what he was able to do at Philly is five foot six, about 200 pounds. Deuce is going to continue to get bigger and stronger, and he's going to remain as fast as he is. Uh, I also respect you, Rob, in that you had a fifth round grade on him. And I'm going to see, this is the draft analyst right here. This is the guy that understands how this game works. Because I look at Deuce Vaughn, I say, no, nah, I want that guy on my football team. I got to find yeah. a way to put that guy on my football team. On the other hand, I'm looking up at Chicago at the one spot that many people think they should trade out of to get Justin Fields some more help and or even boost their defense, which is a way of helping Justin Fields. My way of getting to that is to take a look at this wide receiver class, right? And I want to start at number six because going into the 2021 season in my sport, we all thought that Jackson Smith and Jigba was not just the best wide receiver in the sport, but a Heisman candidate. And quite literally was making a cause, or at least if he had the kind of year that we thought he was going to have, for being one of the better wide receivers to come out of the sport, at least in the last two decades. You got him at number six. What do you think are the holds up? What are the things that you want to see from a JSN at the combine? 
you know, honestly, as far as the combine, I, I want to see that he's healthy. I, mm -hmm. I want to have a conversation with him. I don't expect Jackson Smith and Jigby to run a very good 40-yard dash time. I, I'm expecting something mid-four fives. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that might startle people. I, I think that's what his game tape says. That said, I absolutely love him. And to me, he's a top 50 player. It's kind of like talked about with Bijan Robinson. And I think, again, might not run quite as well as people think. And there might be all this scuttlebutt. Oh, is Bijan going to drop down the draft? Is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to drop down the draft because he ran a little bit more, you know, a little bit disappointing time? Look at these 16, 20 receivers that ran faster than him. How can you justify using a first round pick on him? I can tell you how. Did you see Garrett Wilson last year? Did, did you see Chris Olave last year? Did you see Jackson Smith and Jigba last year? Because it was JSN who was the most productive of the bunch. The one that obviously put the team on his shoulders throughout the Rose Bowl was unbelievable, legendary performance. Uh, you know, I just love the game. To me, he, he reminds me, I, I've seen some comparisons to lots of different players. To me, it reminds me a little bit of Keenan Allen. Um, mm -hmm. Keenan Allen was a safety back in the day. You know, Nick Saban wanted to turn, kept keep him at safety and famously, at least that's the story I've been told. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously he's become an all pro wide receiver for the Los Angeles, San Diego and Los Angeles Chargers. I, I love his size. I love his physicality. I love his want to. I love his hands, his ability to take the take the pop and still keep running. I, I think that he is a total package except for speed. And so to me, just the way I love Keenan Allen coming out of Cal all those years ago and love the fact that he had that defensive mentality, that's something I see with JSN. That I, I don't know that he's going to be a first-round pick when it's all said and done, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that, again, we the NFL is all about size and speed and all that. He's got great size. I don't think he's going to have the great speed. If he does run well, then yes, sign me up as a first-round pick. Even if he doesn't, sign me up as a top-50 pick. And I think a guy is going to come into the NFL and have a very long, very distinguished, very productive career. I'm curious to see how it goes through the interviews because he will be asked over and over again about the 2022 season and why or why not uh, he chose to play or didn't play in aspects of it. I mean, I remember being at the Ohio State-Iowa game and both producer Tyler and I were there and we saw a bit of JSN, but not a lot of JSN. And then he kind of faded, right? And we were trying to figure out what the hammy was doing. And if he runs, that'll be a win for me in and of itself because I want to see smooth. I want to see fluidity. But I also am interested in the other guys that he's going to be measured against. I believe number one, got the guy from Texas Christian. How about that? Quentin Johnston, six foot four, over 200 pounds. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to get a little bit of my head of myself, but when I hear a guy can high jump six foot 10 and he's a wide receiver and he can go high point the ball the way that Q Johnston does, what's the upside or excuse me, what's the downside to going to get a guy like Quentin Johnston just as soon as you might be able? Well, because I wish that the game tape with Quentin Johnston was as good as the highlight reel because mm. you see those highlight reel plays and you're like, oh my goodness, this guy is easily the best receiver in the draft. As you say, he's 6'4", 210 pounds. I'm expecting him to run very, very well. I certainly expect him to run faster than Jackson Smith and Jigba, as we mentioned a moment ago. I expect him to be a much more explosive athlete in every which way. He doesn't catch the ball half as half as reliably as Jackson Smith and Jigba, however. Uh, and that's one of the concerns. And, and you mentioned the high-pointing. That's actually one of the concerns I have is I don't see consistently with Johnson, him high point the ball. If you have all that great height, then truly take full advantage of it by getting those arms up. That, that some of, I've been a, a vocal critic at time of, again, another player in Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks and DK Metcalf as physically dominant as he is. There are times where he doesn't use, he doesn't use his height to his advantage. Tyler Lockett at times as diminutive as he is, actually is sometimes does a greater job of really maximizing his entire catch radius. And that's one of the things I want to see Quentin Johnson do a better job of. Uh, and, and so th those are the biggest things for me. I, I still have him as the number one receiver in this class, because I think if you can get him to catch the ball more consistently, and again, high pointing being a big part of that, then I see a guy who can absolutely take over the game. There's not many guys who are 6'4", 210 pounds, that can do his little spin off of contact and go. And we saw it, you know, in game after game uh, for TCU. So to me, there are better players right out of the box in the wide receiver position. Jordan Addison, USC, to me, he's going to walk in, you know, and, and be very successful in the NFL. We already talked about JS, and there's a lot of receivers who I think are going to come in and be very good in the NFL. The one who has the highest upside, the one who's likely to get drafted earliest if the NFL draft has been any, you know, history is any indicator, He's going to be the guy who has the highest upside. That is Johnson.
I want to stick with wide receivers here and, and a couple more offensive questions before we get to the defensive players on this list. But why don't I see more NFL teams, franchises, doing what Cincinnati, I think, has just made famous? Hey, we got the best quarterback. Let's go get his best wide receiver, or let's go get the best wide receiver, go get the best quarterback. Stick them together, right? Tua Tonga-Valoa and Jalen Waddle, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. I think there's something to C.J. Stroud playing with Garrett Wilson in New York or C.J. Stroud playing with uh, Chris Olave in uh, New Orleans or even trying to figure out how to put Bryce Young in the same room as Jamison Williams at Detroit or John Mechie in Houston. What do you think about pairing these guys up with guys that they've played with and more or less have a chemistry already built in with? I think, sir, this is why you have your own show, you know, is because you're, you're, I think you're onto something. And I think NFL teams are increasingly gravitating towards this as well. It's just the, it's just the camaraderie, just the rapport that you've already built with a, a former teammate. I mean, you know, each other, you know, there's good, the words are going to come out of each other's mouth before they say it. And, and I think that that in the expectations that we have of the young quarterbacks and young receivers in today's NFL with the salaries the players get and all the notoriety of the draft and everything, it just puts the pressure that much more. So it, it takes time to develop that. And so if you already know that these guys have a couple of years of working together, and in most cases, obviously, have developed some type of actually liking each other, not just working together at their job, you know, very well. And so, yeah, I think that that's going to be important. I think that you're going to see young quarterbacks have more of a voice in, in who the general managers and, uh, you know, and, and head coaches should be looking at uh, when it comes to those types of relationships. Again, if these are players that you trust and if you're investing in a draft pick this early, then, then you should be trusting those players that much. I'm with you in as far as the quarterbacks having a little bit more to say about who they play with. I got to see a little bit of this when it comes to the USFL's inaugural draft, and I watch quarterbacks say to their coaches, no, I played against that guy, or I played with that guy, let's go get him, and then I get to see that develop over time, or even already in, I guess an example of this last year would have been Brian Scott and Jordan Sewell with the uh, Philadelphia Stars, but it was fun, because they already knew what they were doing, it's everybody else catching up to what they were doing, that's a lot of fun to see and watch. Uh, last question on that front, and as far as the quarterback's and the wide receivers being paired up. If you're going to do that, right, who do you think is in the best position to do that right now? Uh, as far as NFL team? Yes, yes. Um, you know, then, well, one of the things I, I've been kind of thinking about, can't think it around in my head, is I think the Indianapolis Colts. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, all of, our, all of us are thinking about Indianapolis with the combine and everything being there. But that's a team that jumps out to me, is that they, they have to make a decision at the quarterback position. Um, and, and so I think they could be in a position to potentially go with the CJ Stroud in the first round. And then if Jackson Smith and Jigba is there in the second round, then be able to kind of, you know, just do make that, that same type of a move with obviously two rookies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's the club that really jumps out to me um, among this group. Um, you know, I, I'd have to kind of think about that. I mean, obviously with all the different Alabama players, what, you know, there, there's so many different, possibilities with that one but um yeah that that's not there's no obvious fits for you unless you have a team for me or after but nothing's job you know i'm not drawing stuff off the top of my head well okay so you you mentioned indianapolis and there's been a lot of scuttle about them going up to get a bryce young to be their starting quarterback and i could just as easily see them going hey jameer gibbs uh what do you think about you know i don't know wide receiver running back whatever we just want to put you there because he has the hands and the ability to do anything you want offensively. I believe the phrase that I uh, saw in your piece is airbag. Number yeah. one, what's an airbag to you? And number two, do you think that Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs might fit what Indianapolis is trying to do in their rebuilding? Absolutely. Well, first off, what the airbag is to me is exactly what Jameer Gibbs is, is a guy mm -hmm. who can lead your team not only in rushing yards, but receiving yards. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's just going to be a guy Stupid. who is – yeah, it is. I mean, the statistics are insane. Um, but the um, but to just be able to be just as effective in in the passing game as you are in uh, the running game. It's actually a, a phrase that Pete Pritzko, CBS Sports, used to use a lot. Um, and it's like I 
kind of have to acknowledge uh, Pete with this, with this term, because it's, I, I think you're seeing so many running backs in today's NFL who fit that moniker. And, and you mentioned a great one in Boston, Scott with Philadelphia, you know, Kent Gainwell. I mean, it's like almost all of the backs of Philadelphia kind of fit that mold. And I think that's the thing that when you mentioned Indianapolis Colts to me, I immediately thought Jonathan Taylor, like you're mm-hmm. going to invest in a, in a selection like a Jameer Gibbs. You would think that you would want him to be the, the head guy in the backfield, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy as good as Jonathan Taylor as running downhill and you pair him with a running back who can catch the ball in the backfield or be a slot receiver or be just a regular old receiver, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Gibbs has the speed and the hands, the body controls the route run to be able to do any of those things. I think that you could kind of do something like that. And I think that that's, you're seeing more NFL teams, in my opinion, who are going to look for quarterbacks who don't necessarily have that massive arm but are accurate in the short to intermediate levels and can scoot around a little bit. And then again, if you build your game around running backs and tight ends, and this is a tight end class that you could justify that, that, that type of move as well, then I think you're going to see some teams kind of tinker around with formations and things like that so much because of this running back class, this receiver class, this tight end class. It's a pretty exciting offensive group. It's just smaller and shorter uh, than, than we've been expected, than what we've seen in the years past. Well, we're playing a different kind of football. And to your point, like I thinking about Jonathan Taylor, fantasy GM, why not do the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon mix? Yeah, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young to Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. All of a sudden, I'm giddy watching you play football. One thing to go out on this is Kyle McCord is in a battle right now with Devin Brown to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. That guy's going to inherit Marvin Harrison Jr., Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. won three state championships at St. Joe's in Philly. If they play together and play well, you're also talking about another group of guys that could be playing football together for the better part of a decade by the time they're NFL rookies. I'm really fascinated by watching guys grow up together. On the other side of the ball, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm being punked sometimes here, Rob, because I know who the best prospect is on the defensive side of the ball in this NFL draft, it's Jalen Carter. It's not a knock against Will Anderson Jr., who is outstanding, and I love watching play football. But I don't see too many Jalen Carters growing on trees. And the last time I watched football, any level, the guys with the best defensive tackles, the noses, those are the ones for which you have no answer. Hey, what are we going to do about Aaron Donald? I don't know. We're not going to block him. You know, what are you going to do about Jared? Oh, Jordan Davis? I don't know. We're not going to block him. Am I... Onto something here, or am I still the only person in crazy town? No, I think you are onto something. At least that's the way the NFL teams are going to approach this as well, is that the, the a truly dominant defensive tackle is so darn rare that if you get one, then you can just kind of tilt the game in your favor a little bit. It's a lot easier to find those other players. I, I think that Will Anderson Jr. is the best defensive player in this draft class, but I think that the guy who's worth more to NFL teams and just, and therefore is going to be the first selection of the defensive players is going to be Jalen Carter. I wouldn't be well, surprised so. all if Chicago bears wanted to stay in at number one and making him the selection. If they can't get out um, just because the fact that again, if you, you there's, there's only really two ways of winning in today's NFL, either your quarterback is better than theirs, or you can somehow mitigate their quarterback so that your player can then rise up to the occasion kind of a thing and Jalen Carter doesn't have the sacks he just if you really watch the way that teams have to shade blockers to try to slow him down that's really the way the game is played and you use the example of Aaron Dahl I mean physically Aaron Dahl Jalen Carter couldn't be more different I mean the the defensive tackle I've actually used as a comparison for uh for Jalen Carter that a lot of people out there may not They'll hear about him. They'll say, oh, I've heard of him. They don't remember him being that dominant. Jeffrey Simmons, actually the Tennessee Titans, to me, they're physically, yeah, okay. physically Sorry. built similarly. And they're just their ability to just hold and be strong at the point of attack, almost in Dominican Sue-like. And, and those are the two players that kind of jump to my mind with how Jalen Carter is built. And, and so, and what then they're, what the kind of havoc he, he can wreak inside. So to me, those guys are rare. There's a reason why Simmons still went in the first round, despite the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL, you know, in the preparation for the draft. I mean, that just shows the type of value the NFL teams put in players like that. Um, again, of course, Sue is being a, what, number two overall those years ago, and his longevity has, you know, proven itself as well. I just, look, I love Will Anderson Jr., but again, 
pass rushers, especially ones at his size and surrounded by talent that he has and coming off a little bit of a down year for his unbelievable you know, level of success in the past. I think that Jalen Carter is the one that's going to wind up going earlier on draft day. I, I got giddy uh, while, while Rob is explaining his Jeffrey uh, Simmons comparison because it, it clicked for me. That's how much I love this stuff. But I also think it's important to say that we thought that Jalen Carter might have been the best defensive tackle on the 2021 Georgia team. And Jordan Davis is, is lethal. Like he's amazing. The idea that you had both of those guys, you could rotate them through anybody that's watching football as opposed to watching the box score understood what 88 could do inside. The other thing about Jeffrey Simmons, and I think this is interesting as it relates to Will Anderson is Jeffrey Simmons was a guy that Nick Saban was waiting on to try to figure out whether or not he was going to go play at Alabama. Right. Turned out he didn't. Turned out they had a scholarship available. While this dude from Tulsa, Oklahoma, waited patiently for that scholarship to become open so that he could commit down the street at Tulsa McLean. His name is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs ends up being an outstanding return player and third down back for Nick Saban on those tied teams. But at that time, nobody would have thought that that man would have been a first-round pick until Nick Saban told anybody, but mostly John Gruden, no, that's the guy. You want a guy that's going to be your bell cow back, go get Josh. And he has developed into that guy. He's going to get paid a lot of money in a few months' time because he's developed into that kind of guy. I wonder what Nick Saban is going to say to have me looking foolish about not necessarily taking Will Anderson at number one because you know it's there. A couple of questions to take you out on here, Rob. Who do you think has the best opportunity to run the fastest 40 time at the underwear Olympics? Uh, you know, I think, again, you got to look at just the, the guys who are, are proven track stars. So A-Chain at uh, Texas A&M, uh, Tyler Scott at, at Cincinnati, uh, Tank Dell at Houston. Uh, what I love about all three of those players, though, is that all three of them are, are proven playmakers. They're not just track guys. Um, there, there's going to be some guys who are going to be the, just, just those track guys. When you watch them on tape, they're not. NFL cal, you know, or at least not high caliber NFL prospects. All three of those players, I think, are going to wind up being top 100 selections. I think their speed that they're going to show here is just going to justify it that much more. I'm also really fascinated to see what Devin A. Chain runs because I'm yeah. I'm a track guy. Like that's what my letter jacket is for. I love watching dudes go fast, and that dude is otherworldly when he wants to be, and has an opportunity, I think, to go at John Ross's record of four two two. Who do you think is going to be the strongest guy at this NFL combine? Meaning Ooh, the a... most reps on 225 for those that are uninitiated. Wow, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see what Jason Avila, the guard center from TCU, TCU. does. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's got a Avila. big, strong Avila. build to him. And, and so I'm kind of curious to see a, a, about Avila there. Um, I, I think that this, it's interesting you mentioned the bench press. I, I think that that is another one of those statistics that is exciting, but at the same time, it's more, you know, what is the, what do we actually translate onto the field? And so John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota, he is one of the more physically powerful guys. If you want to just ask me who is the most powerful blocker, I think Osiris Torrance from Florida, you know, possible first round pick, senior bowl standout, big transfer from Louisville, all these different things. But his arms are long. And because of that, I don't know he's going to be able to get the bar up. You look at, you know, I just saw like an advertisement. They were mentioning that the the all-time record um, for bench press is still Stephen Paya from, from Oregon State. He had those short arms, a super powerful kind of a guy. And that combination really is what you're looking for. So look for one of those shorter armed interior offensive linemen to kind of chug their way to 40 plus reps this year. Hey man, uh, the only national championship I ever won is in powerlifting. I got to tell you, these short levers, they do a lot of work. They do a lot of work. I'm not going to get mad about it. I understand what it means. I'm getting giddy for something that doesn't matter in football, but Hey, I feel good about it myself, you know, putting up 10, 12, Okay, cool. I still got it. You know, I'm turning 36 this year. Let's make sure everybody understands it. I can still put up these reps. Um, Last question for you on this front, Rob, and and I'm asking you future cast, but are there guys that you're especially excited about in my sport, college football, that you want to watch going into this 2023 season that you're going, I'm circling that guy because I got to study up on him because I know I'm going to be asked about him this time next year. Well, I mean, I, you, you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that's the best player in the country. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, just it, it's it's fun to watch him. Um, 
you know, the, the receiver on the other side uh, from Stilicum, Igbuka, I believe. I mean, he really yeah. good football player as well. Um, so I'm excited about just watching the Buckeyes receivers kind of continue just to be Buckeye receivers. It's, it's really remarkable what's happening there. Uh, so that's exciting. Caleb Williams at USC. I mean, he's just like Bryce Young. I mean, I don't, I don't care what his height is. I see a quarterback who has all the arm and athleticism I'm looking for. And it also has that anticipation. And to see that from young quarterbacks, RJ, it's just exciting. I mean, that, that's what I, I love to see. Uh, so to me, th those are the big things. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say is just kind of, again, I'm out here in Seattle. The, the story that was University of Washington, Kalen DeBoer, and, uh, you know, just the, the way the quarterback, uh, you know, took off this season for them was just Michael Penix Jr. was um, unbelievable for a team that, you know, it, it fall off the face of the earth, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And so the, the comeback they had, I, I'm curious to see how successful they'll be in, in year two in Seattle with, with DeBoer and Michael Panks, just because what they showed this past season, uh, you know, I think put the college football world a little bit at, at attention. Absolutely. 11 wins in Kalen DeBoer's first year with a transfer quarterback that everybody thought was damaged goods in Michael Penix Jr. I'm also going to turn the knife a little bit more and say JT Tuimolau and Emeka Egbuka are both Washington natives playing for the yep. Buckeyes and, and starring for them. I'm excited to see all those guys play football. Uh, Rob, what else can we look forward to you having out on Fox Sports in the coming weeks and month as we lead up into the NFL draft? Well, that's the thing is it's going to be nothing but breakdowns of every positional group all the way up until the NFL draft uh, every week. Right now, the, the article that's up is my top 10 wide receivers. And that's my opinion of, uh, you know, where I have JSN and where I have, uh, you know, all, all these different receivers we kind of talked about today, including some players that we didn't talk about. Um, so, so check that out. Next week will be the tight ends and moving on to offensive tackles and all the way down the board. If you just follow in on those profiles, that's going to obviously cover through cover you through 130 of the best players in NFL draft. Well, let's be real; that's going to be the ones that are going to be making the impacts for your future NFL team. So, RJ it was a great opportunity today. Thank you so much for having me, um, and I am, am thankful for all of the the viewers or readers of our stuff. That uh, check it out, FoxSports.com, and, and read what we got because it's not just out here talking; it, it's writing down these grades as well. Absolutely. And you should know that you are my guy when I need to know NFL draft stuff. And we all have our favorite writers. We all have our people that we rely on. But Rob's opinion can change my opinion. And I'm a strong opinion, as you very well know. So please go check out Rob's stuff at FoxSports.com. Again, Fox Sports draft analyst and 20 years doing this stuff. If nobody knows anything, Rob knows everything. All right. That's the way I put it. Rob, thanks so much, man. I hope to have you on just before the NFL draft. All right, it was a pleasure. Thank you, sir. My thanks again to Rob Rang, our Fox Sports NFL draft analyst. As you can tell, I have great fun jamming with Rob. It is because he is so knowledgeable, not just about these players and gives college football its proper respect, but because this man understands how the NFL thinks and how they go through their evaluation process. Again, I've been doing it for 20 years. But now I want to get to my favorite part, of the NFL draft experience, and that is the NFL draft combine, which is another way of saying the underwear Olympics, which means that I want to tell you about guys that I expect to show out in these measurements. As you can see, this is this is my NFL combines freaks list. Let's go five to one at number five on the list. I got Iowa State defensive end Will McDonald. Now, I've been on the Will McDonald train. For several years now, I believe he's one of the great sack masters in the sport over the last three years. But he also is that guy that Matt Campbell could not speak highly enough. As a matter of fact, the quote that he ended up giving to Bruce Feldman was this dude has like video of himself jumping over cars and uh, doing backflips at his height and weight of six foot three, about 236 pounds. It's no easy feat. He might be a guy that vertically leaps 43 inches at the combine, which, again, means that he's probably going to run fast. You're looking for a stand-up 3-4 edge. I think that Will McDonald, the fourth, foots that bill. At number four on the list, I'm going to go with another linebacker type, Owen Papo out of Auburn. This is a guy that has been really tearing up every recruiting Knicks rankings every single year because when he got to Auburn, we all thought that this is the next level of NFL linebacker. He can move well. 
He can play in space. He can cover wide receivers and he hits like a truck. I mean, we're talking about a guy that is six foot one, 225 pounds. He's going to bench press 435 pounds, probably going to put up close to 20 reps on 225. And he's going to run in the four threes. If you're looking for a nickel slot kind of linebacker, a, a will linebacker in your 425 scheme, I think that he foots the bill. At number three on this list, Let's go back to a guy we know, right? Texas Christian wide receiver, Quentin Johnston. I really love me some Quentin Johnston. I've loved me some Quentin Johnston for a long time. And then going into 2022, you got to love him too because it's a guy that is taking the top off the defense. Max Duggan was looking for Quentin Johnston on third and long situations because he could run by guys at his height. To Rob's point, you'd like to see him high point the ball a little bit more often, but when you're out running people, you don't really have to do a whole lot of that. It's also got a high jump six foot 10 in high school, which is bonkers. Like, I mean, to have a guy that can leap that high, run that fast and remain as coordinated as Quentin Johnston is, is simply special. Number two on this list. Another guy that you have heard a lot about Florida quarterback, Anthony Richardson. I think that this man could really steal the show at the NFL Combine if he runs fast because you know that he could throw a football 60 yards from a standstill. He is unafraid of contact. He will put his shoulder down, but I think he has the capacity to run in the four fours in the 40-yard dash. If he does go under four five and he looks even a little bit accurate at this Combine, he probably solidifies himself as a top 10 pick, if not a top five pick, and has some franchises thinking, man, do we get this guy so we can sock him away? Do we get this guy so we can play him right away? He's going to put them in that sort of bind if he can run fast and demonstrate some accuracy. And then at number one on the list, for me, it's Texas A&M running back Devin A. Chang. I'm going to feel like I'm laying it on thick here, but you got to understand, I love track and field, and it is my second favorite sport behind the one that I cover. Devin A. Chang is a world championship caliber sprinter, okay? In 2022, he ran 10.02 seconds in the 100-meter dash. That means he is the fastest man in Texas A&M history playing football. Now, perspective on that is Fred Curley won the 100 meters in the World Championship last year in 2022 in July. Fred Curley is the most versatile sprinter in the history of ever. And he went to AM and he ran 976 as a pro. That is what Devin A. Chain might be capable of if he just decided he wanted to be a sprinter, but he wants to be a running back in the NFL. Really excited to see him run the 40. Really excited to see him broad jump, vertical jump. I think along with Anthony Richardson, you're going to hear a lot about his performance and you're going to hear a lot about what can't this guy do. I think he could go at John Ross's record of 422 if he comes out feeling pretty good. So those are my freaks on this NFL combine freak list. My honorable mention though, I got to point mention this is Darius Davis at Texas Christian was drafted in the USFL. We'll see how this works out for him, but this is a guy that ran 46 plus in the 400 meters flat, which as a 400 meter guy is stupid because that, that just means he's fast. He's also strong. He's got tremendous endurance and you've seen what he was able to do as a punt returner. And by the way, had the only TD against Georgia in the national championship game. Keep your eye on him as well. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks to Fox Sports NFL Draft Analyst Rob Rang for joining us on this show. Our lead producer is Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Antoine Westfall. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. And our intern is Steph De La Guardia. I'm RJ, the host. We will see y'all again next week. Doses.